Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, December 19th. On this date in 1998, a Republican-led House voted to impeach President Bill Clinton for perjury and obstruction of justice. The Senate later acquitted him. And on this date in 2003, designers unveiled plans for the signature skyscraper at the site of the World Trade Center in New York. One World Trade Center stands 1,776 feet tall. It opened in November of 2014. And here's your morning trivia question. Elvis Presley scored big with the song Blue Suede Shoes, but on this date in 1955, it was recorded by its original singer at Sun Records in Memphis, who first sang the song. I'll have that answer coming up, but first, let's check in with the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Tuesday forecast. And good Tuesday morning. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovat. Off to a cold start. Make sure you bundle up these morning temperatures in the 30s, feeling like the 20s for many of you. We'll see those temperatures eventually climb, but only into the upper 40s to around 50 degrees this afternoon, despite full sunshine. And as soon as the sun sets, that temperature is going to drop into the 30s this evening. And by tomorrow morning, we start out on average 28 degrees, just above freezing out at the beaches. Everyone else at or below freezing tomorrow morning. We start a warming trend 53 tomorrow. 60 on Thursday, 62 on Friday, and then from Saturday through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, highs will be in the 60s with a chance of just a couple of showers Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Life 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. To a 2023 report, South Carolina is one of the deadliest states in the nation for pedestrians. Many advocates here in the Low Country are taking initiative to combat that issue. Live Five's Destiny Kennedy joins us live in downtown Charleston so, right now. So, Destiny, what do safety advocates have to say about all of this? Katie, Shelby, pedestrian safety advocates tell me this comes as no surprise, which is why they continue to push for change. South Carolina ranked in the top 10 for most dangerous states for pedestrians. This is according to a recent 2023 report from Insurance Comparison. The data is pulled from the U.S. Census and National Highway Traffic. It states South Carolina's pedestrian death rate is 64.6% higher than the national pedestrian death rate and 101 1% higher than the national median. Advocates here in Charleston say this is due to a lack of safe pedestrian infrastructure. Some solutions to these issues include making sure there is no right turn on red, visible crosswalks, and pedestrian signals with leading pedestrian intervals, which means the pedestrian gets a head start before the driver gets a green light. Katie Zimmerman, who is the executive director of Charleston Moves, tells me certain demographics are impacted by this issue more than others. South Carolina also, um, there is a disproportionate impact to Black community members and senior community members. So we definitely have an epidemic on our hands. Um, it, we are not a safe place for uh, vulnerable road users. Zimmerman says there are a lot of ongoing campaigns to combat this issue, but in the meantime, encourages everyone to be considerate on the road. Reporting in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Thanks for that update, Destiny. New this morning, one person is dead after a crash in the Georgetown area. The South Carolina Highway Patrol says that crash happened along US 701 near the intersection of Old PD Road shortly before 8 o'clock last night. That's all about 24 miles north of Georgetown. Troopers say two pickup trucks were on US 701, one going north, the other heading south. 
The two crashed into each other, sending both trucks off the side of the road. One driver was taken to the hospital, but troopers tell us the other driver died. The Charleston County Coroner's Office has identified a person who died after being trapped in a submerged car during Sunday's coastal downpour. Mount Pleasant police say they responded to Omni Boulevard in the Ravens Run area just before 1 p.m. Sunday. That was for reports of a car submerged in those floodwaters. The victim has been identified as 72-year-old Nancy Morrow. She was pulled out of the car and was administered CPR. She later died at a nearby hospital. This is the only reported flood-related death so far. Folks who live and work in Georgetown spent yesterday cleaning up after this weekend's coastal storm brought flooding to the city. City officials say more than a foot of rain fell in Georgetown. Our Molly McBride brings us the latest on the city's recovery efforts. Georgetown Mayor Carol Giroux tells me about 60 people were pulled from their cars by first responders Sunday and that even the city's downtown fire station holding their emergency operations center flooded. Here on Front Street is one of the areas Giroux says was hit the hardest. She estimates between 12 and 15 businesses on the street were affected. Although you almost wouldn't be able to tell because one day later it's practically flood free. A stark difference from yesterday and a testament to the city's resilience, according to Giroux. I spent yesterday speaking with Georgetown residents and businesses. One resident describing Sunday's events as, quote, the absolute worst he's ever seen. There were cars floating in front of me. It's just such an odd experience to have 13 inches of, of rain and I just hope we don't have it again, but what can you do? Duro says the city's assessment teams have been out all day yesterday gauging the damage and that business-wise, the majority of the cleanup efforts are finished. In the newsroom, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Officials say at least 500 cars pass by Old Cemetery Road in McClellanville per day. Right now, that number is zero. Around 9.30 Sunday night, the road collapsed from 16 inches of rainfall and flooding of the creek beneath it. Residents were forced to call in for work, couldn't go to school, and they had to cancel doctor's appointments because the only way they can leave is now by foot. People also say a pedestrian bridge right behind Old Cemetery Road is the only thing keeping it from becoming an, an island. We're still working to confirm if the State Department of Transportation has created a temporary solution that will allow residents to leave. Erosion and debris are le what's left behind for homeowners and visitors at many of our local beaches after that coastal storm tore through. The Alapalms got over or just over eight inches of rain, which brought floodwaters, washing away seawalls, docks and private piers. Emergency crews have been working to clear the beachfront of wooden planks and other storm debris. The Isle of Palms mayor says this is a hard restart for the community as progress on projects aimed at addressing beach erosion and flooding were washed away with the storm. Third suspect accused of playing a role in a Tinder day turned robbery and murder will spend the next 20 years behind bars. A judge sentenced Zora Henderson yesterday. Henderson was 19 years old at the time. 24-year-old Alan Johnson was killed in 2022. She's one of three people accused of the murder and conspiracy to kill Johnson. Prosecutors argue Johnson had come into town for a date, having met Henderson's cousin on the dating app Tinder. In May, Henderson entered an Alford plea, maintaining her innocence but acknowledging the case would likely end in a guilty verdict. As a result, her murder charge was dropped and she was sentenced for conspiracy and armed robbery. 
Marvel actor Jonathan Majors has been found guilty of misdemeanor charges stemming from a domestic dispute with his former girlfriend. Majors was convicted on one count of reckless assault in the third degree and a non-criminal charge of harassment as a violation. He was acquitted on another assault charge and one count of aggravated harassment. His sentencing is scheduled for February 6th. Following the verdict, Marvel Studios and Disney also announced that they would not be moving forward on any future projects with Majors. A woman who gained a following on YouTube for her strict parenting advice has pleaded guilty in a Utah courtroom to four counts of aggravated child abuse. Ruby Frankie was arrested last August after police say Frankie's 12-year-old son allegedly escaped her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt's home, and went to a neighbor to ask for food and water. Frankie agreed to testify against Hildebrandt as a part of the deal. Frankie and her husband gained internet fame through their YouTube channel that showcased their extremely strict parenting style. Frankie will be sentenced next month. South Carolina State University recently awarded four honorary degrees to people that they consider some big supporters of the university. One of the honorees being Judge Clifton B. Newman. Now, you might know that name. Newman is being recognized for his time presiding over convicted killer Alec Murdoch's murder trial. Judge Newman was awarded a Doctor of Laws by the university. He served as an assistant solicitor for 17 years and 24 years as a practicing attorney. The field of candidates looking to take over the top cop spot in Charleston County is now growing. Two longtime law enforcement officers have joined in. Former Charleston County Sheriff's Office Lieutenant Alan Ali and North Charleston Police Captain Rick Keyes. There are a total of five candidates, including Folly Beach Chief Deputy Rocky Burke and former Mount Pleasant Police Chief Carl Ritchie. Incumbent Kristen Graziano also plans to run again to maintain her position that she was elected to in 2020. She did decline to comment regarding any specific criticisms. A bill that's set to go before state lawmakers when they return next month is designed to make it easier for women to run for public office. Low Country Representative Spencer Wetmore has pre-filed a bill that would allow for campaign funds to be used for child care expenses. Wetmore says right now women with children who are minors only make up 2% of the state's legislature. She says the bill will eliminate one of the barriers that may be preventing young parents from public service. If passed, South Carolina would join 30 other states that allow campaign money to be used for child care. Now to your health watch. According to the American Cancer Society, each year, just a little under 45,000 women will die from breast cancer and about 300,000 new cases will be diagnosed. Breast cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death among women, and the American Cancer Society attributes that to not catching it soon enough. To, uh, tomorrow, one low country hospital is hosting an event in hopes of combating some of these statistics. Our Autumn Klein joins us live now to tell us more about the importance of mammograms and early detection. Good morning. Good morning, guys. This week, Trident Medical Center is hosting its Mammo Catch-Up event, which is an opportunity for women who may have missed their yearly mammograms to catch up and get it scheduled before the end of the year. I got to speak with a breast cancer survivor who also happens to be a nurse for Trident Health. Samantha Parent is only 33 years old. She was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer only about a year ago and finished her treatment in September of this year. She told me that she did not have any symptoms. She actually decided to do a self-exam last October because it was Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and with all the talk and the pink ribbons, she thought she should just check it out, and the next thing she knew, her life was changed. Parents said the mammogram 
is what determined the mass was cancerous, and because her cancer was so aggressive, the two weeks following were full of scans and doctor's appointments. They had to move fast. Her cancer had already spread to her lymph nodes by the time it was diagnosed, and if she had waited any longer to do the mammogram, it would have only gotten worse. She said this diagnosis changed her life, and the thought of it being any worse terrified her. What happens if, what's going to happen to my boys if they're stuck with, their, with just their father for the next for the rest of their lives and your brain just goes like all these different places. Um, I ended up having like a panic attack that working night shift that weekend um, just because I was just so scared. Um, because I, you know, you don't know. Parent says that she encourages everyone to keep up with their yearly checkups and scans whether breast cancer runs in your family history or not. The MAMO catch-up event will take place at the Trident Breast Center in Somerville, but the hospital encourages people to schedule their mammograms online if they're unable to make the event tomorrow. Reporting live in Charleston, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News. Some really good resources, Autumn. Thank you. Doctors say South Carolina has a major problem with high rates of diagnoses and deaths from another type of cancer, that being prostate cancer. But at the state house, a new prostate cancer study committee is working to figure out how the state can play a role in addressing the rising numbers. Data from the State Department of Health and Environmental Control shows the screening rate among men 40 and older has gone down in the last decade, with nearly half of men being screened in 2014 and just a third of them screened in 2020. But on a more positive note, a recent report found the death rate of prostate cancer in South Carolina dropped 50% in the last 25 years. A representative from DHEC told committee members that while the agency gets millions of dollars for prevention programs for other cancers, no money is put toward for prostate cancer. Do you envision that DHEC could do something similar with prostate cancer if we were to develop a funding stream for that? I think there's a path forward there, yes, sir. Um, from talking with the program folks, it's, it's really about education. Experts say the state should put a greater focus on increasing education and awareness about screenings and prevention. At least four other states have passed legislation that requires insurers cover the full cost of can prostate cancer screenings for men at high risk. It could be a new era of treatments for genetic conditions. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently approved new therapies for sickle cell disease. Before then, the only cure for the disease was a bone marrow or stem cell transplant. But that can be risky and it doesn't always work. The new therapies take away the need for a donor. Kaskivi uses a technique to alter a patient's stem cells, while Lifgenia is a cell-based gene therapy using a gene delivery vehicle for genetic modification. The treatments won't make the disease go away, but it, they do make uh, pain significantly more tolerable. The clinical trials that um, led to, to these two products, FDA approval, showed um, dramatic decrease in the number of painful episodes that these patients are having. The CDC estimates about 100,000 people in the U.S. are living with sickle cell disease. At the top of the show, I mentioned that the song Blue Suede Shoes was recorded on this date in 1955, but not by Elvis Presley. Its original singer, the man who wrote and composed it, was Carl Perkins. Celebrating birthdays today, actress Elaine Joyce is 80. Actor Tim Reed, who played Venus Flytrap on WKRP in Cincinnati, is 79. Actor Mike Lookinland, Bobby Brady on The Brady Bunch, turned 63. 
Actress Alyssa Milano is 51, and actor Jake Gyllenhaal is 43. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Morning Y'all, powered by Life 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.